Hi, I'm Jeff Albert, director of the School of Music Industry at Loyola University in New Orleans, and you're listening to our forum series, a weekly meeting between our students, music executives, recording artists, faculty, and alumni, where we spotlight industry professionals and discuss important issues shaping the business. Our guest on this edition of Music Industry Forum is Nate Lotz. He is a drummer, musician, producer, and songwriter who's worked with a wide range of people, and he's interviewed by Professor Billy O'Connell. Hey, welcome to Loyola University's Music Industry Forum. This is Billy O'Connell, and today we have a very special guest in the form of a gentleman named Nate Lotz. Nate, Thank you so much for for coming. I know you're a Louisiana boy, but um, yes. but if you wouldn't mind just giving everybody the rundown, just some of your some of your uh, your CV and 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 your own bona fides. Let's get these kids' attention, shall we? Yeah, yeah. What you uh, got? My name, is, my, my name is Nate. I've been working in the music industry for probably over a decade now, doing live touring and a lot of studio work and writing and production as well. Um, I've been in the last, I don't know, five years probably been with Halsey, a lot of work with Halsey, uh, a lot of, some work on a one U2 album, um, Liz Fair, Jenny Lewis, Ingrid Michelson, All American Rejects was many years ago in the studio. Uh, I'm also writing and producing Signed to BMG so I, I, I kind of work in all tiers from, you know, those sort of supersized artists, but then also a lot in the actual indie music community, new artist signings and stuff like that. And, and that more recently has been with artists in the UK and Australia, a lot of Zoom stuff. I, I in the past, would fly to these countries and do these sessions, but now it's a... Uh, it's all over Zoom, which which is actually easier when it comes to working with international artists. It, it's a lot less skin off my back to do. To do so, so let me pause you for one second. I have yeah. two questions that jumped up right as soon as as soon as you you finished your first small oh, yeah. paragraph. First question is, um, you say you work with. So, in what capacity? What is, what's your skill set, and how do you work with these people? Yeah, uh, it is rate, definitely ranging. Um, drums is kind of the when I'm performing on stage it's 99% on drums, 1% on other things, guitar, bass, keys but really drums in the studio it's everything drums, percussion, guitar piano uh, sampling, lyrics melody um, and it really, it really depends on who for the artist, you know. You're a collaborator in that. Yeah, for, for you two, for, yeah, for you two was percussion and a little mm -hmm. bit of drums. For, you know, Halsey, it was like her, she just put out a, a live album. I was playing drums on the album. Mm -hmm. um, you know, All American Rejects, drum programming. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but these, this like artist in the UK, Oscar, uh, Scheller, it's lyrics, melody, mm -hmm. you know, production, anything. So there's product, yeah. So there's not only a sideman element to what you do. There's also a significant production element to what you do. Yeah, and, and a lot of the a lot of the artists I work and, with and, and co-write, co-write as well. Co-write, co-write, produce. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of becomes this all-encompassing thing. Occasionally, I get paid 
I mean, for, for an artist like you two, mm-hmm. I get paid just a flat fee to do the work. Yep. You know, a lot of artists who are signed to indie labels who maybe don't have as big of budgets, we're doing this work on spec, mm-hmm. you know, we're splitting the song 50, 50, mm-hmm. and it, I'll just kind of do anything under the sun. If I'm laying down a beat and then I also right. lay down a lyrical concept mm-hmm. and you know, maybe that's it. Maybe mm-hmm. it's a, uh, it depends. And different artists have different talents. Some of these people, they're producers also. So right. I'll maybe get a little sample melody started with a lyrical concept and they mm-hmm. come back to me two weeks later with a finished song. Right, right. So what was your route in? Um, I know you, you, you're from Louisiana, uh, although I'm speaking to you in California. Um, what's your background and, uh, and, and kind of what were you as a kid? Like, why music? How'd that happen? Yeah, uh, well, so I was born in Louisiana. Um, in high school, I went to high school in Colorado. Very small, very small mountain town, uh, 17,000 people. Um, music always, music started as a thing for me that I was just obsessed with, but almost didn't notice I was obsessed with. You know, mm-hmm. I always, I, I probably had headphones on listening to music in my life more than I've not had headphones in. Mm-hmm. It's like just a general, uh, I don't know, comparison. But uh when I was in high school, it became this thing that I actually, I actually picked up drums and guitar first my freshman year mm. of high school. Mm. And that was sort of when it transitioned. I think I'd always been obsessed with bands and artists and I would always watch the behind the scenes and the mm. making of the album and the, you know, tour documentaries. And I would always watch all that stuff as a kid uh, or festival videos right. and stuff like that. Um, it was just very, you know, I was into skateboarding a lot. So even that, like I was listening to the songs on the skate videos and, and yeah. you know, who was that band and then going and getting the, the album at the time. And, um, mm-hmm. so, but then when I picked up an instrument, that was when that sort of like visceral hands-on connection was made. Uh-huh. And I did sort of feel this sense when I played, when I started playing, like this is coming naturally. Right. Uh, this isn't so a struggle. This isn't a struggle. So you detected your own talent. There was ease and there was momentum and energy in it. Yeah. And it was sort of affirmed by, you know, like friends who I was hanging out with at the time. I'd be like, I've been playing drums for a week. And they were like, dude, you sound like good for a week. Yeah. <laughs> there was a little, there was a little bit of confirmation. Yeah. But it just felt, it just felt like it was coming naturally. A drum, a drum teacher would show me something, mm-hmm. a, a drummer who was farther along than me. And, and I would just feel like, Oh, I get that. I get it. Right. And, and yeah, uh, you found a language you found, you, you, you found that you could be fluent in something that you didn't know you spoke. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And so shortly after that, by sophomore year, I was in, in bands and uh, we were playing at the school dance and stuff like that. Right. And, uh, Funny enough, one and of this my is in, and this is in Tiny Town, Colorado. This is in Tiny Town, Colorado. And funny yeah. enough, one of my still best friends today, who I was in this band in high school with, now we still work together in a lot of capacities wow. in the studio. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's, you know, just as a little quick sidebar, he, you know, he's produced he produced the last Harry Styles album. Oh wow! He's, you know worked with all sorts of people. What are the odds that two of you would come out of Tiny Town, Colorado, it's, and be in weird. pop music? To that it's, degree it's it's weird he had he was just learning to record when we were in high school and so it was wow. we had a little studio at his house and we made 
records together. We were in English class together. We made a song was our final project for the year. Awesome. So just a weird coincidence, you know. Awesome. Something in, the, something in the water in Tiny Town. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's but, awesome. Uh, okay, great. So, so then what happened after that? What got you out of Colorado? Colorado, as they say. Originally, I was going to go to LSU, actually, because uh-huh. I, I still have a lot of family down there. Mm-hmm. So my first plan was go to LSU, get a degree in music. Mm-hmm. Um, but my parents actually encouraged me, if you really want to do this, is like the style that you want to do it, which is being a band or be touring and all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they just had me consider Los Angeles. Wow. Uh, they, they encouraged me to actually go to California instead that's of very enlightened of them. That's, that's, yeah. you know, they, they, they probably just connected the dots. It's like, if you want to be a part of an industry that's concentrated in New York and LA, you've got to be in New York or LA yeah. and on our boy in New York. So. Yeah. Yeah. So LA. LA was a little, was a little closer to Colorado. Yeah. And uh, so I went, I, I moved to Hollywood kind of right off Hollywood and Highland, which is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know exactly where you were. Not, it's a weird part of town. Yeah, it's <laughs> but, uh, dicey. I, I lived in uh, I lived in the Hollywood Tower on Argyle and Franklin. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> so you know that's like right on the other side of the 101 from where you mm-hmm. were. Um, yeah. So yeah, I know I know it well, and I used to walk to work at uh, Club Lingerie, which was 7700. No, not 7700. It was it was it was Sunset and Wilcox. Okay, yeah. So so it was like the yeah. 5000 block of, of Sunset or something. Yeah. But right near the Cat and Fiddle at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> across the street. So I used to walk to and from that club. I worked two years without a day off from, from Christmas of 1980 to to, to Christmas day, 1987. That's so, that's very LA, a very LA thing to do. (laughs) Intense, intense. And I, and and I I walked to and from my apartment every, every night. So it was nuts, but uh, I know exactly where you were. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it was, uh, I went to, I, I went to MI actually, Do you know, right. MI? Okay. Musicians Institute. Yeah. 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 Yep. So I went there and it was honestly for me, the best thing about that, I really didn't meet anybody. I was uh-huh. 18. I couldn't get into almost everybody there was over 21. So they were going right. to bars and clubs and hanging out. Right. I couldn't go to any of these things. Um, right. They have 24 hour practice rooms there. Wow. So my big thing was I was practicing guitar and drums. Mm-hmm all the time right and that was sort of my just and i had no friends i didn't know one person in california wow i was just what i did i just feel wow. like i acquired i really built up the skill set it says that, something about it says something about the the grit that you had um around this subject that you didn't just become homesick and and fold you know i like mean you, it, it was it was rough mentally okay okay and and i mean and but you whole, did it. But that's I where the grit. Got, that's where the yeah. grit comes in, right? That's the difference. Yeah, and right. I'm not saying it was easy. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, and it was the whole. It had the whole list, all, the whole like check mark of weird LA experiences. I had weird roommates. Yeah. You know, like weird experiences out on the streets of my neighborhood. Yeah, and, your neighborhood just, is horrible. Yeah, it just. It was. I was like getting like mm-hmm. beat down from from every yeah. angle. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for the first two years, I, I didn't make a dollar playing music. Yeah, of know? course. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And I just was working on it. And I started working a lot mm-hmm. in uh, 
in GarageBand. So, so hold on a second. So then what, so, so it's hard, right? And it's, and it's demoralizing and it's kind of beating you up emotionally. Totally. And, and financially. So, totally, so, yeah. so, so what did you connect with that kept you going? Like what, what for you was the thing that sort of like uh, that little flame inside you that was like, I don't really have a choice. I'm going to keep doing this. I want to do this. I want to put myself through this. I think it was uh, maybe a little bit of a naive hopelessness, a kind of just, you, you know, just sort of like great, a great, great quote, naive hopelessness. That can be the name of your next or, record. Or, or sorry, I even messed up. I meant to say hopefulness. But, <laughs> but, very, very Freudian. Yeah, I know. I was feeling hopeless, but yeah. uh, um, I think I, I really did. I, it sounds really cheesy, but I, I kind of did just believe inside, like I can mm. figure this out. I, I like, yeah, like I can, this thing that I've always seen, you know, like mm-hmm. as, a, as a kid in the small town, just watching tour videos, watching studio videos and being like, I want to be there one day. I want to be in the studio. I want to yeah. be out at the time. I thought it was glamorous to be in a band on tour. So I was yeah. Like, that even seemed like, oh, I'd be so successful if I could just get in an 18 yeah. passenger. Yeah. You know, it's so funny you should say that. Like, I, I, had a, I had a conversation with a student not that long ago, and they were like, you know, um, oh, you know, I'm, I'm having anxiety about, like, what I'm going to do to break in. You know, I mean, like, you, you, you came at it during a whole other time. And, you know, I'm not saying it was easy for you. They were being very considerate yeah, in yeah, saying yeah. that. And I was like, no, it was, it was pretty easy. I didn't do anything glamorous. I didn't make a lot of money, but it was easy because I wanted to be on that side of the velvet rope. Like I wanted yeah. to be inside every gig that I was ever at. I didn't want to be the punter in the front row, kind of like looking up and, and, and being full of adoration. I wanted to be part of the show. I wanted to be part of it. I wanted to contribute yeah. to it. I wanted to be on the inside instead of the outside. And that was enough to drive me to, to like be happy with nothing. I, yeah. I was happy with very little money. I mean, I, I, I felt entrepreneurial and I wanted to go find more money, but, but it kept me in it because I was so psyched to be there. And that, yeah. is, that is sort of that naive hopefulness. I get that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, and I was having all those experiences of, I remember checking my ATM at the end of the month, like checking mm-hmm. my balance and, you know, mm-hmm. $10. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got to hold off on groceries till Friday, you know, yeah. like, yeah. And, and, uh, which sounds dramatic now at the time, it was just more just stressful. I was in the moment. Yeah. I don't know if it sounds that dramatic to the people who are listening to this. A lot of these kids are in exactly that position right now. And so it might just be yeah. validating, you know, or and, affirming. Yeah. And also when, you know, being younger too, I didn't mind as much like, yeah. like I was happily like slurping ramen and, and, you know, like that, it was tasted good to me. Yeah. Time. Yeah. It's funny. I, you know, that's, you know, this, I, this, uh, I'm sorry, hope, hopefully no, they'll cut this out. They'll cut this out if it's boring, but I was going to say like one of the, one of the terms that, that I, I like to return to frequently is this idea of um, profit as elastic, you know, profit is the amount that makes it worth your while. And that definition is so elastic because when you're 18 or 19 or 20 or 21 being ramen profitable, is fine. Right. Yeah, like you're okay. Totally. As long as you got enough to buy the big ass block of, uh, of ramen, uh, you, you know, the 10 for a dollar ramen, yeah, yeah. You're, you're psyched as long as totally. you have a roof over your head. Right. Um, yeah. and that's not going to be okay when you're 28, 
And it's not going to be okay when you're 33, but it's okay when you're, you know, it's no, okay until I, it's not okay. Yeah. And I, and I feel that's the thing I've talked about a lot with friends in the music industry is that there has to be this constant, what we like, what we've referred to as like graduation mm. in career levels. Yeah. Like every couple of years, you've got to graduate. Otherwise the lifestyle you want, you're not going to be able to afford. And you know, like, yeah. And the thing that actually, cause I, like I said, I didn't make any money the first two years. I actually, to bring it back around my friend from high school who I'd been in a band with, mm-hmm. we, he had also moved to California to go to college, but he lived about 45 minutes from me, sort of more on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we started a band after about my first year and a half in, wow, great. in California. Mm-hmm. So we had a band, we made a record. Uh, we started doing like band gigs of our original music mm-hmm. at, co- at colleges in Southern California. Yeah. But then also doing like cover bar gigs. Mm-hmm. And that was how I started making my first money. It was like making a hundred bucks. Yeah. Friday, Saturday. Yep. Uh, doing bar gigs in Orange County or Santa Barbara. Yeah. yeah. Um, playing cover songs with him. Mm-hmm. And then we'd work on original music during the week and, and, mm-hmm. uh, you had 24 hour rehearsal space. That's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, I, but you, you know, you, you kind of glossed over something. You said like we started playing these cover gigs and originals gigs. How did that come to be? I mean, that's a learning curve, just learning how to book a gig. Right. Yeah. I think from what I can remember, I think it was just sitting at Starbucks on laptops, sending out emails with, a. yeah, we like made an EPK. So it had like a, a So you photo. knew enough. Yeah, you knew yeah, enough we, about what you had to do. Yeah, we had photos of ourselves that we thought looked cool with a, yeah. with a couple songs linked to it, probably mm-hmm. our MySpace at the time. Right. And like, right. we were just emailing bars and we would get, we would get like, we did get some bookings from it. So, that's, that's which right. was, which was cool. And yeah. And so fast forward, I actually kind of almost, gave up at a point. Mm-hmm. I decided to go back to college to get a business degree. Mm-hmm. And I, I just felt like music, music's cool. I love music, but this is, uh, this you isn't working. You, you weren't graduating. Yeah. I wasn't graduating. Yeah. And so yeah. I went to this college called, uh, Citrus, which is like, mm-hmm. it, it's a school out, out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started to enroll in general ed classes and mm-hmm. started to work towards getting that done. And I did audition for a music class there. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of fully wrote me into their music program. So that, so wow. I auditioned with the intention of like, I just want to be in like a minimal hour music class and just sort mm-hmm. of keep playing music for fun. Mm-hmm. And then when after I auditioned, they were like, Hey, you know, would you want to just kind of be fully looped into this program and mm-hmm. be in five of our bands and wow. And, uh, and, and they actually have a surprisingly good me and my friend from high school who's now you know a producer writer yep. yeah we both did this program so we both were in this program together wow and uh i, I got fully looped back in to music. what a funny thing like you you decide to basically drop and make a pivot and get into business and you enroll in school <laughs> for your business degree yeah. and i end up going like nah it's music for you come on yeah man. no no they that is literally how it happened i was trying great. to exit and they were like come back yeah. Enroll in these five music classes and, right. and be in all these bands and mm-hmm. and they they have a 
a pop music program that's actually like pretty good. And wow, one of the big perks of it actually was most of the students there were local. Uh-huh. Uh, so a lot of them were actually working in the music scene. Wow. And not in a, in a big way, but a lot of them mm-hmm. also had bar gigs and wow. also had church gigs. And, yeah. And, you know, would occasionally do recording sessions and stuff. And wow, that's wild. Yeah. That's so great. Once, what a funny thing. Yeah. And so once I got connected in that network, I remember like my first like mega church LA gig. Yeah. This guy asked one of my friends at the school asked me to fill in for him. Mm-hmm. And I think it paid like 200 bucks, which for me at the time was like Pretty lucrative. Yeah. Like, like what the like I can make 200 yeah. bucks, yeah. you know, by noon yeah. on a Sunday. To play music. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, and of course, I mean, some of these, these churches, it's kind of crazy. They have in-ear monitor yeah. setups yeah. with the full tracks rig. And like, it, it's yeah. like, it feels very much like a pop. It almost simulates yeah. a pop gig experience in some ways. Yeah. It's funny. It's like the, it's like the minor leagues for a pop act. Yeah. Totally. Wild. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that sort of, that was like a three-year chunk of my life that I got mm-hmm. fully developed uh, in that scene. And then I moved to Silver Lake mm-hmm. from there. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I didn't finish college. I dropped out because mm-hmm. I got a touring gig with a guy on a label. Mm-hmm. And uh, I moved to Silver Lake as this way to like try to get more in the community, in the, in music the scene. Community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the whole scene was on the east side at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. that to me felt like the time when things really started to kind of just yeah. pop, pop yeah. off and, and I was right. really doing, you know, I, I mean, at first I was in like a hundred indie bands, yeah. you know, like, yeah. like playing four to five nights a week of indie music wow. with different wow. artists and, yeah. and they were paying and I was doing church gigs on Sundays and I was doing wedding gigs on Saturdays and mm-hmm. uh, sessions and writing music with, with these indie bands and like, wow. just this compilation of like, corporate gigs mm-hmm. with, as far as the weddings church uh and then writing music with these indie bands and, wow. and schlepping it around at all the hipster venues yeah. and yeah and you know and then that led to like joining up with one of these bands and um and and like making i don't know actually going on my first europe tour right playing primavera festival and oh uh, yeah the, one of the best festivals ever in barcelona yeah yeah that's my favorite festival of probably any festival same. i've ever done. same here same here roskilde in denmark is a little bit oh uh, uh, yeah a little, it gives it a good run for its money but but yeah. primavera like the fact that like the last time i was there i was with throwing muses and they did a gig on the on the second stage and the the it was backed up to the mediterranean in a natural amphitheater That's and it true. was like it was like it was throwing muses and spiritualized i think i have i still have a like a four camera shoot that spanish tv did for that gig it's it was insane it was like so beautiful and like the moon is out and it's like it's breezy and balmy and yeah, the ocean is behind the stage and it was like crazy and then i had another peak experience at primavera where i saw neil young and i didn't want to i didn't think i wanted to watch neil young but yeah. i was like it's friggin' Neil Young. I should go check it out. Yeah. And I stood on a hill watching Neil Young on the main stage. And I was just like, I can't, who could leave? Like, oh, how, yeah. how do you leave that gig? It was unbelievable. Yeah. Nine Inch Nails was one of the headliners when I was there and like watching oh. that along the water. It, oh it my just, God. Right. <laughs> unreal. And like, 
And that was sort of my, one of my first experiences graduating again to like a yeah. band that's like, we're doing real festivals with real bands and we're getting written up about. And yeah. You're in a bus. Yeah. Oh, I think we're, <laughs> I think we're a sprinter. I hadn't fully gone up yet. Yeah. Sprinter counts. That's okay. Sprinters yeah. in hotels. That's cool. Yeah. And I think, I think like, yeah, the, the, the last year I was there, shellac played after my band and and it was like there was this running crowd to like the third stage okay and, and people just oh my god it was one of the that festival is phenomenal i would tell anybody listening to figure out how to backpack in europe and oh be there gosh, be there in so, may so for primavera it was, it was it, they do place. they do some of the best book uh like booking like I think they select programming is crazy. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. really well curated. Yeah, I mean, of course, every year there's like a range of artists who are seeking festival gigs, but like they're really good about picking and choosing and putting yeah. together an event. You know, totally, pretty amazing. Yeah, and the complex is great. Like having it right on the Mediterranean in the old Olympic Plaza and all. It's un- it's unbelievably yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry I uh, no, uh, sidetracked. It's all good. But um um, uh, do you want to say who that band was? But yeah, they're called Lissera. I, okay. I don't, I don't think, I don't even know if it still exists anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sort of involved with them for one record cycle, right. so I like, I did a record with them, and we mm-hmm. toured, and and cool. it was amazing. Cool. And it was one of those things where it, it was, it was like served. It, it was amazing, and it totally was like mutually beneficial mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, just as I kept kind of hustling and doing things yeah. uh, sort of moved into a network of working on the more pop side. Mm-hmm. And then that let, it was shortly after, I mean, probably six months after working with them, mm-hmm. like finishing up touring with them. Right. That then like Halsey called me mm-hmm. and even, even that happened in a way of. I was going to say like, how did that come to be? Like, how did Halsey get your number? It was, I mean, by this point I was sort of like full fully connected in the music community. And I, and I felt like I have a career, you know, I'm making good money and, and like between. But you're a gig worker, right? Like you're getting paid as a hired gun. Yeah. I mean, I was still not not as opposed to a royalty artist, meaning like, right. Totally. Yeah. I was making money as a hired gun. I was writing and producing with people, but I wasn't Mm -hmm. signed to a publishing company yet. Right. Right. Uh, So I was like, some of these artists that I was working with who were paying me to play gigs with them. Mm-hmm. I was also a writer or a producer on That's the, great. on the recordings that they yeah. were releasing. Yeah. Uh, these recordings weren't necessarily making money, Yeah. but, but I felt good about being involved on both ends. Yeah. You're a part of things, right? You yeah. were integrated into the whole, the whole package. Yeah. yeah that, being involved that makes creatively and mm-hmm. being involved on the live side. Yeah. Uh, and, and so from there, I was actually having a similar, I feel like every three to four years, I may be like going to this weird, like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. I had well, welcome, similar... welcome to the world, dude. I know. I mean, very, you know, like a lot of the people who are going to be watching this, a lot of the students that are watching this are going to be saying, like, are going to be able to relate to that very yeah. well. Like, I, I don't think it's fair for us to say to, to students, like, follow your passion. And then that's all you do for the rest of your life. It's like, you got to think about like the next 18 months to three years in my yeah. opinion. It's just too much otherwise. It's, it's well, overwhelming. It's more than you can deal with otherwise. And, and I don't think that's fair. I mean, you got to realize like, 
18 months to three years is enough time to explore an avenue. Like let, let's say it's a, it's a train ride, right? You can ride that train to the end of the line, get off on the platform, figure out if you want to get on a different train or if you want to get back on that totally. train and you can keep going, right? I mean, so I, I think it's probably comforting for them. I, I wish they were in a room where I could look at them and say something to them, but, but I, I would imagine it's comforting to them in their position to hear that someone in your position is revisiting things every every three years or so. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, it's funny you say that because I try to not, I, I tend to write down at the beginning of each year my goals for the year and, and things like that. And and, yeah. uh, and I do check back in with it Yeah, often. That's one least, of the reasons you're successful is because yeah. you actually write down your goals. People well, don't. It's, it's helped me and, and even I did it again a week ago, and, mm-hmm. but I also never set goals past five years. Yeah, because I just, I just think it's it's too hard to know. It's yeah, too hard course. to know. You're going to uncover certain stones. Yeah, and, and realize mm-hmm. I thought I was going to like that, but I didn't as much. Yeah, and I didn't think I would enjoy this as much as I do. Yeah, and not to mention the changeability of the industry. I mean, yeah, yeah. How do you even, you know? Any, yeah, and so. Yeah. And I mean, I did that. I did that. Uh, I have this journal that I keep with goals and stuff and it goes mm-hmm. all the way back to 2013, I think. Wow. That's and, phenomenal. And so I was opening it the other day and I was looking mm-hmm. back at my 2013 goals and it mm-hmm. had things written down in it. Uh, it had like tour the world that had, mm-hmm. and this was 2013 was bef- if we're in my timeline. It was, yeah. it was, I'd only played locally in LA after this. Right. I was, right. I was making a living, mm-hmm. but I'd never gotten on a plane to go play music. Yeah. Got it. And, uh, and so I had tour the world play on yeah. TV. I had uh headline in arena, you know, I had yeah. all these things yeah. that at the time felt like I remember, I remember being at a Starbucks writing down headline in arena and feeling yeah. like, that's too big, man. Like, be, <laughs> like, like I remember thinking to myself, like, you, you don't want to write that. Cause that's like, then you're just setting yourself up to be upset Yeah. when yeah. you look back and, yeah. and you haven't gotten there. But, and, but setting goals takes courage and yeah. setting goals takes some faith as well. It's not just courage, but it's the faith that things that, that if you act with intention, then pieces tend to fall together. Yeah. It's not accidental. It, it, it seems accidental. It seems random, but it's not. If you, if you set that goal and you act consistent with your intention, right? Like the way, the way I, I talk about that all the time is like to say, I might intend to boil water, but if I put it in the freezer, it ain't going to work. I have yeah. to act consistent with my intention, right? Yeah. I, I say my intention is to boil water. Then I better put it in a pot over some flame or it's not going to happen. Right. Yeah. And I, and I did tend to sort of, and I still do this. I kind of put the five year thing out and then I sort of reverse engineer like, okay, mm-hmm. you want to be playing on a late night TV show? Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of artists do that? Artists who are signed to labels. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, major labels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, how do I encounter those people? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Who works in that network? Who are, yeah. who are put, putting together those kinds of bands Oh, these managers, these music yeah. directors. Okay. Well, do I know anybody in that scene? Mm-hmm. Is there anybody I could directly get coffee with or lunch that, yes. you know, like, and yeah. just sort of, 
you know, start at the end and then, and then reverse back. I, I, it's, that's how it's done. I think it's great. I think it, it's absolutely great to hear. And I think that it's, that that's really valuable information for our kids. Um, but more than anything, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's validating from a, a human standpoint. Like how do you get to the things you really want? And, and part of it is, is, is articulating it, being brave enough to say, yeah. I want this. Second part is having the faith that by acting consistent with your intention, that can happen. And then the third part is, is doing everything in your power to, to, to leave no stone unturned, right? To actually do the work, right? Yeah. So you, you went, you know, you, you started racking your brain and racking your contacts list for people who you could grab coffee with and, and, and see what happens, right? Connect one to the, you know, connect one piece to another piece. That's, yeah. There's no shortcut. There's no shortcut. I mean, sometimes you get to jump a few spots ahead on the board, right? Yeah. Some things happen that skip you ahead, but that's not a shortcut. That's just a fortuitous happening and you're in a position to take advantage of yeah. it. You know, um, I don't want to, I, I don't want to get too late. I know that we've been, we've been on the, we've been on the oh, line yeah. for a little bit. I have a question that was submitted online. Can I give it to you? Yeah, totally. Um, uh, let me find it. It's from, uh, it's, it's from Zach Canyon. He says, um, how can an upcoming songwriter get their reference tracks or demos out to larger artists or A&Rs? What's the most important factor when getting in touch with larger artists or A&Rs like communication, consistency, et cetera? With large, I'm assuming that about trying to pitch a song for another person to cut I I think that's the intention. Yeah. Uh, unless, unless they're talking about being a producer, right? Unless, unless Zach. Or, yeah, or maybe they have a beat that they're trying yeah. to pitch yeah. an, an yeah. instrumental track. They're trying to right. pitch. Refer he says reference tracks or demos. Yeah. I, I have several opinions on this. Um, Let's have them. One is, and, th and this is a conversation I have a lot with producers and writers who are, much farther along than me in that sense. And what I mean by that is people who are having number one singles, mm -hmm. you know, multiple billboard charting things and working with the likes of, you know, people who are working with Harry Styles or Sam yep. Smith and, and all this. Yeah. Uh, we're, I, I'm sort of regularly bouncing similar questions with them. Yeah. yeah. And, and also sort of having, we have this sort of argument, which is, is what's more powerful uh, in getting your career forward, having connections mm -hmm. or having a good song or, a, or some combination of the two. Yeah. The response I get from the people up at the top mm -hmm. <laughs> is, is uh, if your shit is dope enough, mm -hmm. it's going to break through. Right. It, uh, it will. It doesn't matter if you're Joe Schmo from yeah. the middle of Iowa. Yeah. If your beat is good enough, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna get found out. Right. Um, I kind of agree. Yeah. I I think that. Give that me tell me tell me your misgivings because I don't I I feel I feel that you, yeah I can feel that you're you're not 100 percent in in accord. So tell me where your where your hangups are. I I agree in the sense that. Uh, well, where I disagree is I think uh, that bar, mm -hmm. whatever 
is whatever so dope, high. Whatever dope enough is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever defines dope enough, yeah. I think that bar is so high yeah. that it's like, I mean, you have to be, you have to be one of those rare 1%, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, producer level Pharrell level producers mm-hmm. that like your your stuff is so good and I think yeah. most people think that their stuff is that good yeah most people think yeah. they they hear their beat they made they get so excited they get yeah. chills you know like <laughs> yeah. they they get all the feelings and they're like oh this is what they're this is what he means yeah this yep. is dope enough this will totally break through and it's like yep. Most people's barometer when self judging or even, you know, showing their friends or their mom, the beat, your mom, mom, you're so good. Yeah. You know, oh my God, like this is totally going to make it. Yeah. I I think most people think that they've hit that, like, oh, this Mm -hmm. is what, this is what it means. Good enough to break through. Yeah. And most people are falling short of that mark. Right. Um, So that's funny. That's funny and everything. And we we can kind of laugh about that, but, but then, but then, Let's say I was an earnest creator sitting here watching you talk and I, and I really wanted to get real about this stuff, right? And I, I really wanted to develop the chops so that I could accurately evaluate the quality of my own work. Like, how do you get there? Well, okay, not, I'll, come, I'll come to this. I also do want to say, I think your best bet for, for getting your, an artist to cut your song mm-hmm is to work or somehow be work with the artist or somehow befriend the artist. Yeah. Um, because artists tend to, in my experience, feel better about something that they have their hands in a little bit. Got it. Um, unless you're, unless you're coming with such a heavy resume yeah, where you're yeah. like, you should cut this because like I have all these other cuts and like, this is going to yeah. make you money if you're involved. Of course. Yeah. Um, now to, as far as evaluating your own work and giving mm. that honest perspective, um, that, that again, that, I think that's really tough. I think it would help to find somebody who's further along than you Yeah, and have right. them, have them be a help with that being a barometer who's right. going to tell you like, bro, you're mixing, you're mixing not good. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's yeah. another key. That's another key aspect of successful people is that they seek out higher level mentors, people who are several steps ahead of them who can give them unvarnished feedback. Yeah. And I think that's as important as anything else you've talked about. Yeah. And I I think that's like a, that's a big, that's a big one. It's just getting people who are in the industry who are, who have no, nothing to gain from fluffing you up. Yeah. uh, Or, or, you know, not related to you (laughs) (laughs) to like give you that, to give you that honest, like, Whatever, whatever your thing is going to be, dude, your yeah. melodies need work. Your, near, yep. your lyrics need work. Your mixing needs work. Your drums yep. need work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, to find, to find is, your deficiencies in a way that will yeah. let you then go to work and, and train harder and make better stuff. Totally. Yeah, but I makes also, perfect sense. I also think there's a lot of value, though, in kind of att- attacking from all sides, though. Like, mm-hmm. not only should you be working on your... Uh, productions and things like that, you yeah. should be trying to connect with artists and managers and A&Rs and, and making mm-hmm. real friendships, but mutually, uh, you know, not leech based friendships, yeah. mutually beneficial. Right. right. And, so, okay. And, that's a great point. So what's the value that the wannabe can bring the higher level person? I think the value, well, you could probably hear my dog. It's going what dog is that? I know. It's a, what he's dog? A, he's a multi-poo. 
That's great. He, he might he might run in here at some point. That's um, but uh, I would hope I, so. Yeah, uh, I think the the value you could bring would be something like bringing really good music to the table. Right. You know, uh, right. or you know, if you're contacting a bigger producer and you're trying to get in that mentorship. Yep. I mean, your value might be cleaning their car and going to get them coffees. Yeah. And, yeah. Great. and that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Yeah. I mean, you know, in the old days, people used to get studio gigs by, you know, sweeping up and getting tea. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, it's the same, same analog, really. It's a different, different situation. Yeah. And I think too, like, I think a lot of these people, oh, should I get, should I get him or should what I? Is his, what is his name? His name's Puffy. And I think. Get Puffy. I'll go get Puffy. Give me one, <laughs> one second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we're cutting this out, but if we don't cut this out right now, Nate is getting Puffy. I'm not going to explain what I said. I'm just going to say that Nate is off getting Puffy. <clears throat> This is the Zoom life. This is the Zoom life. We've all been there. Here's yeah. Nate plus Puffy. Yeah, I'm hoping I gave him a little bone. I hope that's it, great. Uh, oh, he's great. Let's see his face. Let's see his face. I hope he's. I hope he's oh, good. Puffy. I know. I just I, while you were off, I told the audience uh, I didn't know if we were cutting that section out or not, but that Nate was off getting Puffy. Yeah, I hope his his bone will keep him content for now. Sounded vaguely, vaguely unseemly. Look at him. Yeah. He's he's a great guy. I hey, know. Hey, he's, he's so a good cute. boy. He's a good boy, Puffy. He's very cute. All right. Uh, I think, I mean, also, the people I know who are the most, there's a couple things I wanted to say. The, the people yeah. I know who are doing the best as producer writers yeah. definitely came up under somebody who mm -hmm. was already doing that. Yeah. And they all started as coffee fetchers, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and and now they're, yeah, you know, now they're having that number yeah. ones on billboards, and, yeah, 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 and major label releases and things like that. It's not it's not uncommon in other areas, right? I mean, we talk about people who want to be part of live production. They want to be, you want to be on the live end, then go push cases for free. Yeah, like the, you just got to do the grunt work at some point. You got to be in there. You got to demonstrate that you're one of the people who will show up which is like 80% of the people don't do with yeah. any kind of regularity yeah. that you've got a brain in your head that you can solve problems that you know, you know how to yeah. bring value. Right. Totally. And so, um, and you, it, you had other things you wanted to mention too, by the way. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and, uh, in my own like production writing journey, I've had a few different, I, I've had a, a few different experiences with it, which one is, my best experiences as far as getting getting cuts you know getting releases with artists i've done both routes fully I, I did the thing where i had a manager who was pitching me on on like pitch sessions where we just make instrumentals where we make top lines and it's basically me and another writer producer yep. or me and two other writer producers yep. and we're like we're in the room together making something to send to such and such artist manager yeah um, those have been 
almost fully unfruitful for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I started to really find my groove mm -hmm. when I just really started connecting with artists and yeah. making friendships and yep. working on stuff with them. Yep. And then even <clears throat> some of my artists who I get cuts with, mm -hmm. even they are resistant. If I send them a song mm -hmm. that's too far along, uh -huh. like, like if I send them something and the in the verses and the choruses are like 80% fleshed out, mm -hmm. I, I can just sense it. I can sense that they're like they're less interested. Yeah. yeah like even yeah. if I'm like, I know this is I know this is good. Like I know, like yeah. Yeah. This is good. And I but, just it's, feel but, but, they, but they want to have a hand in it. They yeah. want to have something yeah. to say about about how to cook that up. Yeah, and, and my my like method with that now is I, I just never get I just never get farther than twenty percent in to an yeah. idea. And, and I sort of put it in a folder of like, this would be good for so-and-so. Mm -hmm. Next time we have a session, mm -hmm. I, I, I pitch them that. That's great because, I mean, I love the fact that you then, you just pair back, but then you, you, do, you, do you hold on to the more mature ideas that, in order to bring them into the session? Do you, do you, or do you just stop at 20%? I kind of, I've, I've, my current technique is I just stop at 20%. Right. Because you have faith uh, that you'll be able to come up with what you need in session and you're going to bring other value at the time. and Yeah, and I, and I also, and uh, some people are different in this regard, but I think to me, this is a, this is an art game, not mm -hmm. a technical game. Yeah. So I think when you're working with artists, you want to leave space yep. for, for them. Yeah. You want to leave space for their lyrics and words mm -hmm. and 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 if they're a musician as well, you want to leave mm -hmm. space for their musical input because right. it's it's their art. Right. I, I don't approach it as a technical craft to perfect. Right. Where you could where you could come with like a ten out of ten. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, and there's a lot of people who do though. There's a lot of people who are like. No, but that's very interesting. I like. I like. I. I, I what you're saying is landing very clearly with me. I understand why and, and why that might be very endearing to the artists you work with. Yeah. And, you, I, and you come to them open and ready to collaborate rather than to prescribe them a course of action. And I think that's really valuable. To yeah, certain and I, artists, obviously. yeah. And and also the people do the other way and it works. There's yeah. people who just write for pitch and they do very well in that. But I, yeah. my friends who do that, who do really well, I, I noticed that they already have the resume. Yeah. And how they got the resume to get there yeah. was like they had some friendships that mm -hmm. got them the first five cuts. Yeah, right. And then once they got the first five cuts, they didn't have to operate as heavily on friendships. Right. The they, had enough, they had enough traction. There was buildup and then that could lead to breakthrough. Yeah, because yeah. from there, their manager could could send the email with the mm -hmm. attachment with the MP3 yeah. on it being like, hey, this is my writer who just yeah. got cuts with this, this, this. Mm -hmm. And they have this idea for so-and-so. And it's a lot yep. more intriguing of a yeah idea well there's like there's 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 social proof there's validation right everybody's see what 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 i think people fail to realize a lot of time is that everyone making a decision has to cover their own butts too yeah right totally. so, so like if if somebody's gonna be able to they, they're gonna have to be able to excuse me <coughs> they're gonna have to be able to justify their choice of this of going in this direction and yeah. so if you can hand them that social proof and that validation that helps them 
to be able to tell a good story and to have the ammunition they need in order to cover their own backside, then you stand a much better chance of scoring that gig. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's such a real thing. The, the, the social proof, I think from, from a lot of angles, I think, uh, it works on the live side. It works on the creative side. If you have a resume, Mm -hmm. it's always, that's, I think it's always better than not having one. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or having the friendship is always better than not having the friendship. Yeah. And having yeah. the having the amazing music or, right. or amazing technical ability. Right. Maybe you're super fast in the, or you're a crazy yeah. good vocal producer or you're right. you're an amazing I don't know, you're amazing with beats or something. Like Yeah. But I I you're gonna have the best bet sharpening yeah. all your angles. Right. And getting it from like the, I'm a nice guy who, who, who people love to hang with. And I'm also really good at music. And I also have, you know, friendships in the, in the industry that are going to help, you know, cultivate regular, a regular stream of work for me. And it's, well, it's pretty funny. Like, you know, um, I've said this, a number of the people watching will have heard me say this, like, I wish there was a way that we could offer a course in like, how to do the hang, how to be cool. I think how to be cool is like a really valuable skill that not enough people have. Like their presence, it doesn't feel like a comfortable hang. Their presence feels a little bit like a burden and the, and the issue or like, or at least maybe awkward at the very best. Right. And how valuable it is to have the soft skills that give you the ability to do the hang and to be, and to be cool and not seem like you just want something every step of the way. Right. Yeah. But that you're there to be, to be one of the, one of the collaborators or, or somebody to contribute or to serve. Right. And not be, not just be there for ulterior motives. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, that's rang so true for me so many times that like, mm. I mean, even the last time I was in Nashville, doing a show. Mm-hmm. I was in Nashville doing a show, but my friends were all hanging at this studio, like from mm-hmm. a separate friend group who I wasn't working with. And they were just like, Oh, swing by after sound check. Cause I had five mm-hmm. hours to kill between that and mm-hmm. the show. Yeah. I just swung by with the intention of hanging on the dinner break. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're just hanging, we're kicking it. I'm not there for, I'm not there for any reason. Yeah. And, and an hour in, they're pulling up the oh we have this one idea but we didn't have we didn't have drums on it yet yeah and, yeah and like and now you're problem solving yeah and they're, they're like are you down and they were they were trying to not step on my toes like are you yeah. down like we don't want to just like we know you're just here to hang like you yeah. don't have to you don't have to <laughs> yeah. do anything if you don't want I'm like yeah. no that's chill I yeah. mean I did I I did it I recorded I didn't mm-hmm. bring up I wasn't like well if I'm gonna play we gotta yeah, sort yeah. out a rate exactly sort out no I just went because yeah, that's had, not cool. No, I just went, I had fun playing music and we were yeah. dicking around and mm-hmm. I did like a real couple takes of serious stuff. And then we made a funny, you know, right. heavy metal version. Whatever. We're awesome. just messing around. That's awesome. And then two months later, I get an email from the man, the guys, the producer's manager, just, mm-hmm. Hey, Nate, dude, they love the drums. They're going to release this. Actually, the label needs to get you paid. Right. You know, like I know you yeah. did this pro bono. So like, or like just yeah. on the hangs. So yeah. Like, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. How do we make gonna, it work? Yeah. And we're going to get you a little extra, oh, you know, great. cause like you were just down for the cause and yeah, it's awesome. You know, and like, so 
Yeah, man. It's, it's the power, the power of being cool. Yeah. And I think if you're just, if you're coming in with that, and I understand if you're financially strapped, Mm -hmm. there's a different pressure you're feeling in the back of your mind in those situations. Yeah. But here's my, here's my feeling about that. And, And you didn't ask me, but here's my feeling about that. It's not their problem, right? Yeah. They're not, they're not your codependents. They, they, they don't give a damn about your problems, really. Not when they put their head on their pillow at night, right? It's, yeah. it's your problem. So it's for you to contain, to take care of your own stuff, to look after your own issues, and to then be able to reconcile how to be there for the gig without fixating in an uncool way on like what's in it for me. Does that yeah. make sense to you? Yeah. No, it I mean, does. I think it's a lot of it is like having your, having your own stuff just buttoned up and being, totally. being self-aware having done the work on yourself, understanding what it is. And, and like, everything's not like take the contract and point at it and tap on it and say, it yeah. says here, I should, you know, I mean, there's, there's a time to know when to stand up for yourself and there's Damn a time right. to be chill and hang. Very good. Very good point. And, exactly right. And I think, and the situations where I've had to really stand up for myself, mm-hmm. I end up quitting. Or walking away, or just not working with them anymore. Because you have to be prepared to when you stand up for yourself. And if you find that the party, the other party, doesn't want to creatively collaborate, they just want it to be a zero sum game. We win, you lose, or vice yeah. versa. Then, then there's nowhere to go. But you have to be able to walk away, or there can't yeah. be a negotiation. And even in those scenarios, I try to. I don't toss a grenade over my shoulder on the way out. Right. I just try to, you know, either just yeah, dis- just disappear into the into the fog, yeah. yep. or or just cordially, hey, you know, this create this environment isn't working for me anymore creatively. Yeah. yeah. You know, and just Nate, I love what you're you saying. Know, I love it because you don't burn bridges. This business is this big. The whole yeah. business is this big. You can't burn bridges, but like you have to be able to stand up for yourself. Know you keep, you know, maintain your boundaries. This is not what I, this is not how I want to work. And this is not okay. Um, you're not pointing fingers and saying you're terrible people. So I don't want to work with you. Yeah. Basically saying this is not right for me. So I'm going to make my choice and it's about me and it, I, I'm casting no aspersions. I'm not making a judgment about you guys, but I'm going to take, I'm going to take, yeah. take a walk. Yeah, I mean, and there's been there's there's been times that that's been hard to hold to bite my tongue. Yeah. Uh, but but it's just my my belief in the long term. Mm-hmm. Just move on. Just yeah. Yeah. Just move on. Look after yourself. Yep. You know. Yeah. Uh, try to do the right thing and do do right by people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and I and I think it's also it's a patience is such a huge thing because for me none of these things like performing on albums that i've always dreamed of working with these people Mm -hmm. or being in the studio with people i I have looked up to my whole life Mm -hmm. or or performing on stages that you know Mm -hmm. were like like i wrote in 2013 playing arenas and then like actually being Mm -hmm. headlining in an arena happened in 2017 yeah so that was like it, you graduated four years you graduated yeah but it's also it's a, it's a long game it's a long game yeah. you gotta you gotta and also along the way i wasn't saying you know i wasn't blowing off anybody who was 
you know, hey, I'm trying to play in arenas, so like I'm not trying to play with you in these small yeah, local clubs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like I, I just did I don't know, I just feel like Well, you kept your eye on the prize and you did and then you did everything else that you're supposed to do. Yeah. Right? And, and even to get moved. there, even yeah. to get there, you know, which was with which was with Halsey. Like we started in the Troubadour, you know, yeah. we started playing five hundred cap rooms was our first tour. Yeah. So yeah. if I had just said, Hey, look, I'm not looking to do this like small tour, I'm trying to do arena tours, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, I don't know. So it's, Par- it's a, paradoxically, it's a you wouldn't, yeah. Paradoxically, you would never get the arena. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's a, I mean, it's also a constant reevaluating, looking at the, looking at the game plan yeah. of your life yeah. in a, in a, you know, I mean, I think every, especially nowadays, every mm-hmm. month deserves a sit down, yeah. look at the drawing board and be like, what do I want? What's developed? What's not yeah. developing? Where yeah. am I seeing progress? Where am I not? Yeah. And, and sort of moving the pieces around and being like, I need uh, to be putting more time here. Yeah. I need to be, I need to just end this because this is not bearing fruit. Right. And, and like, I love, I love hearing this. It's, it's great know, because, because you, you're bringing a system to your operation. You're bringing discipline to your practice basically, yeah. which is, which is, you know, you're, 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 you're evaluating, you're measuring, you're, you're monitoring, you're not over managing, you're not clinging to things, you're not overwrought, but you're able to like continually check the dashboard and know kind of the status of things, right? And, yeah. and be able to pivot away from or toward something else. Um, that's really valuable. It's huge, huge, huge part of this. And I, I, I love that, <laughs> that these, these people watching could hear you say that because it's a, a big part of what I think is their... Uh, indoctrination into our way of, of, of engaging with the business. We want them to engage with the business in a um, uh, values-based way, meaning like it, it matters very much who you're working with and the kind of person you are in, in terms of like what your odds of success are. But yeah. equal to that is some of the discipline of the work, understanding the construct, understanding what the discipline is in the measurement and monitoring and setting of goals. And, and the ability to kind of evaluate where you are at any given time. So you've been, um, you've been a great resource and I know that we've been online for quite some time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have to let you go, but, um, totally. but come back if you don't mind, we'd love to have you yeah. back another time. And this was, this was really great. So um, I know everyone is joining me and thanking Nate lots for being with us today. So thanks so much, Nate. Yeah. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. No problem. See ya.